I want to know how you killed them. And I want to know if they knew what was happening to them. I want to know what they felt. I want to know if they hurt. Answer me. Answer me. Answer me, you fucking bastard. Everybody, welcome back to Real Ripe and Real Rotten. This is a podcast where we look at the highs and lows of your favorite Hollywood celebrities. We use Rotten Tomatoes to determine the best and worst, in quotation marks, uh, films from someone's filmography. Listen along as we try to figure out what went right and what went wrong. My name is Wes Tisdale. I'm joined by Clay McCormick. Clay, welcome back. It's been five months, but the show has returned. Mm. How are you? Yes, much like, much like uh, the relationship between two characters in this movie whose names I forget <laughs> Uh, let's just say I'm I'm happy to be back, and I am uh, naked and spinning my gut in a circle in uh, in excitement. Yeah, opening sequence there, huh? That's a um, way to way to get some your attention. Yeah, huh? <laughs> if for nothing else, you you spend the entire movie wondering when that's going to pay off. And you see those characters again at the end of the movie, actually. But I think that's... <laughs> were you also still waiting for those women to come back? I thought they were going to come back. I thought they were going to factor into the plot big time. I have, I have a lot to say, <clears throat> but uh, let's play the trailer for people unfamiliar with this one, or if people are familiar, just to remind them what Nocturnal Animals is about, which we, the movie that we are talking about is Nocturnal Animals. Uh, so let's take a break. We'll play the trailer, and then we'll be back to break it down. Do you ever feel like your life has turned into something you never intended? I'm worried about you. Are you sleeping? You scared me the last time we talked. You know me. I never sleep. My ex-husband used to call me a nocturnal animal. I didn't know you had an ex-husband. I've been thinking about him a lot lately. And then recently, he sent me this book that he's written. It's violent and it's sad. Then he dedicated it to me. Did you love him? I did something horrible to him. What are we going to do? It's a question of how serious you are about seeing justice done. careful with it you might never get it again it's fun to kill people we should try it sometime (laughs) nobody gets away with what you did I'm not sure. This is the B-roll for Amy Adams. Mm. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar, we take a look at one actor or actress or director or directress, uh, who, and we sort of go with their high-low, and then we take a B-roll, which is sort of a random uh, film that we would want to cover for that person. So for Amy Adams, we had 
Arrival and um, that Irish movie <laughs> and the mm, leap year, leap year, leap year. And uh, this is her B roll. And we actually, I, I would say, we took a long time getting to this point because none of her B roll stuff really excites me. And I think I'd I'd start this off by saying. I think I'm somewhat underwhelmed by Amy Actri- uh, Amy Adams in terms of what she's done. She she's kind of she's been nominated for Academy Awards and stuff, and I'd say that she's kind of fine. But I don't. Uh, I haven't been blown away by anything she's done, and I find that her characters are all kind of the same thing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like she she has a way of playing things, which is just a sort of. Um, vanilla template of a female character that you can put into a lot of different movies and she fits it mm-hmm. well and she's not a bad actress but i don't think that she she doesn't have a lot of range at least in the stuff that we watched and even picking her b-roll made it seem like that was kind of the case across the board well <clears throat> excuse me um i i was uh first of all i'm i'm actually really i don't remember who suggested this because it wasn't you or me it was a, it was a couple I think of it was people, listener kyle yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm really glad that he did because otherwise, I, I mean, I never probably would have ever watched this movie. I was I was thinking we would end up doing something like um, uh, American Hustle or or something like that because you know she's she's a little bit more uh, she has more character. I feel like in those movies, those uh, um, David O. Russell movies, she's she comes out of her shell a little bit more. Yeah, she's also um, in the uh, the boxer, and she's yeah, fairly different yeah. in that one. Yeah, and uh, and you're right. This one is not. It's not really an acting tour de force for her. Uh, it's two hours of watching someone read a book. But I, I actually really liked this movie. I I am really happy we covered it because I never would have watched it. Like I said, and I am so glad we did because I thought it was great. I th- I think it's a really interesting movie for us to come back to because um, I I. I spent the first half of this movie thinking I hated it, and mm-hmm. and when it ended, I was kind of like, "Well, that's it." Uh, but now that I've been thinking about it, I think that it's it's a really strange one. It has some like really highs and lows to it. Like it has, it, it's very inconsistent in what I think it does well mm-hmm. and what it does poorly. But it leads to this like fascinating little strange movie that is not anything like what I expected it to be. It's much more. It's much darker than I thought it was going to be, and it's much. Um, much more For a movie called Nocturnal Animals. You were, you were <laughs> well, expecting I, I was, something lighter. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be some sort of um, rom, uh, fun comedy about a family that adopts a raccoon. Not not a rom com per se, but more of like a satire or something. And it is kind of a satire, but more of like a light hearted satire. But it's it's really strange. So why why do you think do you uh, like this one so much uh, in the first place? Or if you want to give a a vague overview of what you think the movie is about, that would be a good place to start too. Sure. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a, it's about a woman who uh, is clearly not happy with her life and the decisions that she's made. And um, at sort of the perfect storm moment, she gets a a novel in the mail from her ex husband, who uh, uh, you know dedicated it to her. We find out the title comes from uh, a name that she that he used to call her. And it's essentially uh, you you watch her read the novel and, and find out that it, this horrible, violent novel is basically the uh, uh, artistic expression of his feeling when she left him, um, in, which she did in a very you know mean and horrible way. Um, and uh, I I thought it was I thought the storytelling was really good. Um, I thought they didn't give you. 
I think there were a couple spots where, you know, you get a little bit, it's clear they need to do a little bit of uh, catch-up exposition, like that scene where um, out of nowhere she kind of gives her life story to that one, like, secretary character yeah, who never that, shows up again. <laughs> I didn't know if that was a job interview or something. It's like she's telling this yeah. woman a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, This woman comes in and she's like, how are you doing? You haven't been sleeping. And she's like, no, I haven't been sleeping. I met my old husband 25 years ago when we were in grad school. <laughs> we got married. It didn't go well. I broke his heart. Very, uh, very meanly. And now I think my husband's cheating on me. Anyway, how are you? I, you know, I, it, so it, it, that was a clear like info dump scene. They had to kind of catch up. But I, think I, mean, movie, like, I think the movie has a lot of exposition dumps in it. Uh, it's probably the reason why I thought that the script was not as good. I, I think that the I think the script of this one and to finish what you is like, what you're saying, the, the book is she gets this book from her husband and reads it and kind of inserts her life into the book that he has written her. And the movie keeps cutting yeah. back and forth between real life and the present, uh, the book reality, and then the reality of when she met her husband 20 years ago. Yeah. And my problem with it was I think that it's so exposition heavy in the real world that it kind of makes it feel like the script is not very good. And I wish mm. there was a better way that they could have explained this. Like she's she tells a lot of the help what's going on in her life and like why these things are happening to her. And – it feels a little bit clunky at that point. And I think that for as strong and thematic as the script is, the dialogue in it is actually pretty bad, uh, mm. especially in the real life world. Although I, re- I could see the argument seeing, being that there's a reason that the real life world is like that and that the dialogue in the book is better than what she is in reality. But I think that I- I'm left in this space with this movie where I'm unsure how intentional all of the choices were that went into it, even though I could see arguments for a lot of the things that I consider to be bad ideas in it were actually intentional on the part of the filmmaker who made it, who's, who's uh, Tom Ford. And I can give a little blurb here. This is a 2016 American neo-noir psychological thriller written, produced, and directed by Tom Ford based on a 93 novel, Tony and Susan by Austin Wright. It stars Amy Adams, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Isla, Isla Fisher, uh, Army Hammer, Laura Linney, Andrea Riseborough, and Michael Sheen. It follows the plot of an art gallery owner as she reads the new novel written by her first husband and begins to see similarities between it and their former relationship. So, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't <clears throat> I didn't feel too bothered by the uh, the exposition stuff. Are you, are, you, are you just talking like dialogue exposition or are you, or are you talking about the flashbacks and like, stuff too? I, I, n- um, mostly the dialogue exposition. Like okay. I think a really bad scene is when you are introduced to her new husband and he comes in and they're in the kitchen. It, mm-hmm. It's a lot of them – explaining stuff that each of them should know to each other like she he's like okay he's like oh you talked to your ex-husband he's like how long has it been she's like 19 years he goes wow you haven't talked like it's a lot of that and that because that's so early in the movie it set me up for like oh boy this is gonna be really clunky uh soap opera stuff going forward yeah i guess that's tough though because i mean you gotta you gotta get that across early somehow you know it's it's a it's something you do have to establish and i I thought I thought it was a little bit. Uh, I thought it was more weird when um, when she gets the package and then she's like, "No, you read the letter." Yes. And so then the guy reads the letter out loud to make it to to not have to have either her read the letter out loud or do it like as a voiceover or something. Yeah, and, and she's uh, also that, she literally clunky. cuts herself and draws blood from getting the book. That's why she yeah. has the guy read it because she opens it and cuts herself. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess at least they motivated that somewhat, but it's still kind of, that's kind of, clunky, it, it, it's a little clunky. That's I'm, I think that my solution, my problem with it could have been fixed by revealing the information more slowly through the flashback sequences while she's reading the book sort of like, yeah, I, you know, it's tough. Cause I, there, there's a movie that I really like called the limey that came out, uh, like in the mid to late nineties. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie with, uh, uh, Terrence stamp. Um, and the movie is, it's like the whole thing is like very dreamlike and very uh, – they got into a little bit of the style in this movie where it's kind of being presented as though you're watching somebody remember it. So you're getting like bits and pieces kind of jumping around a bit and you get the whole story um, but it takes a while. Yep. And in the limey, the story's pretty simple. The story is that this guy, this English guy, is flying to L.A. because his daughter died. And he's trying to figure out what happened to his daughter and, you know, get revenge for the death of his daughter. Um, so I think you have a little bit more latitude to be a little bit more um, uh, dense with the way that you're you're jumping around and, and delivering information. I feel like this is has so many different layers to it that there's some stuff that you just got to you just got to set up. Um, and I, well, I, well, I don't disagree that I think, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if they had found a more organic way to do it, that probably would have been better. Um, I think there's so much going on in this as far as jumping around in time. Uh, and I mean that like in a, uh, you know, in what we're seeing now, it's not literally jumping around in time. Right. And, uh, between the, the realities, I guess is the better way to land. Well, no, cause I was going to say, you know, cause she's, you're watching her have memories of her life with, with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, you're also watching present day stuff and you're also watching the stuff that she's reading. So you're basically jumping between three different sets of, of, of time or space or whatever. And so that can get kind of heavy. So if you, I don't, I don't blame them just kind of setting stuff up even if it's a little clunky at the beginning so you can just kind of let yourself get into this stuff cuz this is a this was a movie for me that uh, I was reading some of the reviews which are hilarious and I'm going to read one my favorite one in full at the end um Roger Ebert loved this a, movie interesting what's that Roger Ebert loved this movie yeah I think he gave it 4 stars or 3 and a half that's, stars that's interesting cuz this does not feel like a, a movie that he would like he did not uh, he wasn't sure he he wrapped his review up by saying he wasn't sure about the ending and he wasn't sure what the movie wanted him to feel about it, but yeah. he still liked mm-hmm. all of the um, craftsmanship that went into it. Yeah. Roger Ebert, who I used to like, well, not that I don't like him, but I uh, I really started taking his opinions with a grain of salt after he gave the usual suspects zero stars mm-hmm. because he didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I, that was when I was like, oh, okay. Ebert's really like, if he hasn't had a cup of coffee and he goes into the movie in the wrong state of mind, then he's just going to trash it. Yep. Uh, but, um, uh, what the hell was I saying? Um, shit. Well, I mean, we can jump into this movie, I suppose. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I remember what I was going to say. Okay. Um, the reviews that I was reading were very much like people dwelling on the plot. And about, uh, you know, n- not caring about X, Y, and Z and like, well, that didn't end up leading to anything and blah, blah, blah. And this is one of those movies where I think that stuff, the, pl- the plot isn't the point. It's very much a, a how does this movie make you feel kind of thing. It's very much an experience that you're supposed to have. And I think in the, 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 the review I'm going to read was very is specific to the, the way the movie ends. 
And uh, I think that the – I thought the ending was great because I thought it did exactly what it what it was supposed to do because I was watching this and I'm building the anticipation that she's also building as she's waiting for him to show up at the restaurant. And then when it just ends, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, okay. That's kind of – that's what you're supposed to feel. Like, you know, it's – you can you can open end it if you want, but whatever. I think the the point is you're supposed to feel that 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 complete cutoff at the end. There. Yeah, the uncertainty of what's going on. Although, yeah, I, I, yeah we can talk about the ending as we get there because I have, sure. I have I actually share kind of Ebert's uh, feelings about the ending, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's unintentional, but I think the theme of this, and I said it before, is just I'm mm-hmm. unsure of where the intention of this movie sits, and I don't know if sometimes mm-hmm. if the things that they're doing are just lucky accidents with it. I listened mm-hmm. to interviews with the director, and the director does not seem like someone who uh, does not care about the details. He seems extremely detail-oriented yeah. about this movie. Yeah. And I mean, I think you can tell by looking at it, because it's, it's a beautiful movie. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, look, it looks very pretty. And I, to me, what the movie is about is um, it's about the way that art can work, where you can insert yourself into a story – and mm-hmm. even if the insertion here is kind of like intentional and stuff like that, the way that she reads this story from her ex-husband inserts all of her personal baggage onto what he wrote to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like this really neat thing of like who can ever who can read a story without just importing their own feelings about things onto whatever the author actually intended. Um, right. It's, it's obviously here because he called it Nocturnal Animals and he sent the first copy to her that he is – trying to tell her something about it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's really neat. And it like the, the thing that I thought was kind of the front loading to me is more problematic because I understand what you're saying is that they have to put all this information out there. They have to give you all these characters who are going to tie in later on. However, I only started making the book to reality connections fairly late into the movie in terms of like which character is supposed to represent which character in the reality. Oh, really? like, <laughs> Even though, even though his wife looks exactly like him. That, that's that's the thing like they they cast actress that would do it but like to uh, i guess they're supposed to tie the twist like the you know the guy who uh with the mustache who abducts the wife and, and girl and rapes and murders them mm-hmm. she he is a representation of her ending the relationship which is kind of the twist it's not a twist at the end but they reveal that that's supposed to be his characterization mm-hmm. i just felt like i would have maybe even appreciated the movie more if those had been parceled out a little bit more efficiently across it so that I could track things more easily. Because to mm-hmm. me, it just felt like I got a lot of information at the start. I kind of forgot about it as we moved into the book world. And then I was reminded about it at the end and go, oh, right. Like, that's what, how this is all tying up together. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I honestly didn't mind it because I thought that I, I thought the book stuff, I thought they front loaded a lot of the book stuff as far as how they were connecting imagery where like clearly uh, you know, I mean, even though we haven't seen Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah, he's yet, he's clearly. he's the obvious connection because yeah. he is the the lead in both stories, basically. The yeah, lead. and uh, you know, Isla Fisher looks almost identical to Amy Adams, and uh, uh, even even her daughter, with yep. who we find out she actually does have now, looks like the daughter in the book, which yep. is uh, and and uh, I thought that that stuff was nice front loaded. Because as you get into it, the the, the two stories kind of flip a little bit where you've got the stuff happening in the book becomes a lot more streamlined and the stuff happening in 
for lack of a better term, real life, because you're mostly it's it's the stuff that her memories that she's having gets a lot more complicated. Like you get into stuff with her mom and her relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal and the abortion stuff. That stuff starts to get really, you know, um, they start to really mix it up and get get deep into that stuff. Where in the book, it just turns into like I have to, you know, I'm trying to find these guys. Yes. I have and, to get my uh, vengeance. It's a, it's a revenge story, basically, told yeah. through a fictionary, fiction metaphor, which is really interesting. Yeah. And uh, so I, I didn't I didn't mind it because I, I, I thought the – for me anyway, I thought they front-loaded the imagery crossing over enough where I was like, okay, I see what's going on here. So when you get into it, the uh, – where the end section of the book story is pretty straightforward um, – the stuff they're showing you about what happened in real life gets a little bit more complicated. And I thought they kind of evened each other out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a neat little, uh, mirroring representation of the whole, like what, what she sees about her life is how she's viewing these characters and everything that goes through it. And the, um, I really enjoy the book stuff, the book narrative, yeah. uh, the, the story there that's going on. Um, so I have a question about that, Yeah, which uh, finish your thought and then I'll ask you the question. Well, I just think that the – like another point is that to me, the real world of uh, her reality to her new husband and everything feels very stilted to me. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's because that's supposed to be a representation of she is an art gallery person who wanted to be an artist but couldn't hack yeah. it. And is like her – a great source of pain for her is that she was never able to become the creative that her ex-husband became. Yeah. And – so I don't know if her reality is supposed to be that unartistic. It's supposed to be like that badly created where it feels like it's a soap opera. And the world of the book is much more nuanced and interesting. And the characters talk more interestingly. They have conversations that feel more creative and organic. Yeah. And I could see that being intentional, but it struck me as odd the the first time I, watching it. I do think it's intentional because I think that the real world stuff is presented – in a, such a a drab, uh, antiseptic kind of way. Like even if you look at the way they present the the real world stuff between the present day and the flashback stuff, the flashback stuff has a lot more life to it. Like the conversations that she and Gyllenhaal have at dinner have a lot more life to it. And even the stuff with her mom. That whereas the the modern stuff is just very cold. It's very cold. It's very deliberate. It's very uh, empty. And I think that's. I think that's on purpose because when you compare it to – when you think about what she's going through, what her life is at that point where she reads the book and the book is so vibrant. It's so hot. Like the, the, the color palette is, is very hot compared to the, the coolness of the, of the real world Yeah, it stuff. opens with that shot of Hall running from the desert and it's the sun, uh, sunrise. He like – when he gets out of being uh, – his wife and yeah. child get abducted and they have that long shot of him on the road with the sunrise in the background. It's like pink and orange sky. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful and it's it's very it's very passionate like everybody in that everybody in the book story is like has the the passion, you know, quote unquote passion dialed to 11. Yeah. Like there's no <laughs> Michael there's Shannon. no character in that in that book who's just like a schlubby character. Everybody's, you know, on at 11. Michael Shannon was nominated um, for a, a best supporting, which is interesting. Yeah, I, you know, oh man, he he's really good. Uh, he he can make a character out of anything yeah. because yeah. that if on paper that character he's playing is is nothing. It like he doesn't it's it's a pretty straightforward role. Uh he's just a cop um which I don't I don't know if uh so uh, hold on. I'll, I'll get to this in a second. But uh I uh he's a, he's just a cop. His dialogue is not particularly interesting. 
Um, his action is not particularly interesting or out of the well, ordinary. Well, he, be- he becomes the cop who, who's dying, so he figures I'm not going to follow the book anymore. I'm just going to murder yeah, people. Which is fine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's fine. But like, I, I, my point is like, in the hands of a lesser actor, I feel like that character is not nearly as interesting. Yeah. I, I think it he's, he definitely dug into it and, and figured out how to make it interesting by doing his Michael Shannon thing. So the question I was going to ask, which is uh, sort of the thing I was trying to segue to a minute ago. Um, do we think that the book is any good? Like in the world of this movie, the book that she's actually reading, is it a good book? No. I, my, I, yeah, I kind of think it's, I was talking about it with my girlfriend afterward, and we kind of settled on, like, he wrote a pulp novel, essentially. It's not like a masterpiece or anything. But he's identified it's, in the flashbacks as being a bad writer, too. You know? Right. That was decades ago, and you could assume that maybe he's improved since then. But I think that, I think that the book only means something if you know the baggage that's tied to it that is not explicit in the book. You know? Yeah. Like, the book's I, character's motivations only make sense knowing what they are in real life. Like Michael Shannon's character, the way that he acts, that cop doesn't really tie into anything. Like there's no, there's no story within his story that explains why this is happening to these characters. It feels like an escalation that only matches her memory of what happened. And therefore it escalates as she remembers all these things with, with him. Yeah. And I was thinking about some certain things about the way everything plays out. Like, you know, I was thinking, did did Gyllenhaal's character, the the author, did he do no research about how cop stuff works? Because like <laughs> like cop procedurals. Because yeah. you know he he brings him into the room to face down the line of guys, which never happens. Yep. And uh, then he's like, "Come with me. We're gonna drive out to this dude's house, and uh, you're gonna point him out to me, and then you're gonna drive him back." That's something that 100 percent does not happen. <laughs> um, and I mean, the stuff at the end, obviously he's dying. So he, he decides to go a little vigilante, which is fine. But, uh, but then even then at the end, he just disappears. Like there's, he never comes back. No, he drives off. off. He drives off saying he's going to meet him later and you never see him again. Yeah. They split off to go and find, find the last guy. And, uh, he never comes back. And even the ending, the dude got whacked in the face with an iron poker. And then he like wakes up. And stumbles outside and screams and he's drops. Blind. And, he's blind and, from and, the brain damage. Yeah, and then he dies. Yep, he shoots himself it, in the gut. Like, no, he doesn't. He just drops. He just drops dead, doesn't he? No, he falls on his gun and shoots himself. Accidentally. Are you sure? Yeah, he's got a bullet wound in his chest when he's laying on the ground. I, I don't know about that because I I remember him. He stumbles out of the thing, and then he fires the gun into the air. Yes. And then he falls down onto his gun. I'm pretty sure. Let me see here. Uh, Tony stumbles outside and dies after falling on his gun, shooting himself in the abdomen. Oh, well, I didn't. I I completely missed that. I didn't even realize he shot himself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a gunshot when he hits the ground. Oh, well, all right. Well, whatever. Regardless, the guy doesn't show up. It's a very like melodramatic ending. It's uh, uh, it. Yeah, I the the thing I was thinking of is like I don't I don't know if this book is any good. However. You run into a problem, though, because I think the way that it's depicted is fantastic. Like, I think the uh, uh, the carjacking scene, I thought that was super tense. I thought that was really, really well done. My favorite part of it was everything up to when they get them out of the cars. Like, the, the, the fear of, like, being on an empty, dark road with a car that's kind of fucking with you. Yeah. On the other side, it's like a visceral, terrifying fear, and that was really good. Well, I, I, I mean, I really liked when they, when they do get them off to the side of the road, because there's this weird... 
you know, the family doesn't know what these guys are up to. And at the beginning, it's just like they're like, yeah, man, we're just going to change your tire. No problem. Like that would freak the fuck out of me. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like so you don't know if they're maybe they're just changing the tire. Probably not. But you never know. Uh, And, you know, like it's funny to look at it from that point of view where it's like, no, what if they are just trying to be nice and change the tire and this family is losing their shit? Right. Um, But I thought I thought the the uh, I thought that scene was really well done. Um visually and from the movie standpoint. But yeah, I was thinking afterwards, like, I don't know if this book is actually any good. And I think that, I think you're right. I think that's, what's really fun about this movie is that it's the first time I've ever seen a movie depict reading a book the way everybody reads a book, which is even if you're not reading something, that's a thinly veiled uh, critique about your past relationship and the way you aborted your child. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time when you read book, when I read books anyway, my first mental instinct is to put faces that I know on the characters and places that I've been to as the locations. Mm, yep. And I've never seen anybody really do that in a movie without like really drawing attention to it. You know, it's usually part of like, oh, this looks just like the place that I grew up. And it's like, right. well, that's because the book is in your mind. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah, it's more like, like it's an alternate sort of. reality. In those cases where yeah. the, you, the, you reading the book has just kind of like changed your present day setting in a way. But this is totally different. Yeah. And I thought it was really, really fun because, yeah, it jacks up the intensity of everything because you are – what you're seeing is the way that she's digesting the book. It's not – it actually doesn't really speak to the quality of the book because, as we said, it probably actually isn't a very good book. It's probably just a, a pulp novel. Um, but the way that she digests it through her filter with her relationship, current relationship and previous relationship, it jacks the intensity way up and makes everything a lot more heavy. And I just, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, definitely neat. What'd you, um, what'd you think of the acting here? Um, I thought, I thought Michael Shannon was great. Uh, I thought Gyllenhaal was pretty good. He, the Texan accents kind of annoyed me a little bit like the um her mother her mother being texan it all makes sense that they're texans but i i felt no one was really doing a great texas accent sort of like i feel like gillenhall wasn't even really trying to it wasn't even trying yeah i I just didn't it it felt to me more like actors doing accents than it felt like they were legitimate texans except for shannon who comes across as like legitimately of that area uh he sells it better yeah and yeah, you know, I thought Amy Adams was was fine. I thought she did what she had to do. Again, it's not really a flashy movie for her. You know, she's not really doing anything that's that much different than what she usually does. It's just like kind of in a through a different lens, you know. They, yeah. Um she's still kind of doing the romantic comedy stuff where she, you know, she's talking to her mom about the guy that she's trying to marry and her mom's like, "Don't marry that guy." And she's like, "I love him." And, you know, you kind of get like a little romantic comedy plot. I mean, romantic comedy is not the right term, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Where it's like they meet each other, they fall in love. Uh, they're told that they can't be together. Then they do get together and then they break up, except <laughs> the breakup is very messy and, and intense. Yep. And uh, they never come. They never you never get the, the the swing back that you usually get at romantic comedies. Yeah, um, it's, um, it just settles on. The nasty, the nasty ending. I, uh, I suppose there. I, I think the, I, I in general liked the actors. I think, um, I think everyone does a pretty good job. Uh, like the Amy Adams, I agree, is not really being driven to do anything here except do the emotional reacting to the book kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else is 
pretty good. Gyllenhaal is pretty good. Michael Shannon is excellent, I think. Um, mm-hmm. The criminals are all pretty good. Yeah. Uh, in my I opinion. Didn't, uh, the main criminal there, uh, Ray, is uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, the guy from Kick-Ass. Yes, yeah. And the guy from the, the first Godzilla movie a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, and he's also British, I think. Oh, is he? I think so. Uh, and he was completely unrecognizable. I didn't even realize that was him until after I when I was reading the uh, the credits. Yeah. So if people are unfamiliar, what basically happens is in the movie, um, she's reading this story, and it eventually becomes clear that the characters are all metaphors for things that had happened in her. At least she sees it this way as a metaphor for a relationship uh, that she had twenty years ago with this guy Edward who she cheated on with her new husband and then had an abortion for Edward's child when she left Mm -hmm. him to sort of sever everything. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he found that out by apparently standing outside their car (laughs) and seeing them. Um, Following them to the abortion clinic. Oh, is that what he did? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. That would make more sense. I don't know know how else he would have known what was going on. That makes more sense. They were coming out of the abortion clinic and just hanging out in the car and he was there. Was he aware that she was pregnant at that point? I, I think it's pretty clear, <laughs> but well, no, but, but, I, I don't know. That's a good, I, I, that's a good question. I don't think you really need to know the answer. I think, uh, if you, let's put it this way, if you're following your girlfriend or your wife, regardless of whether or not, you know, she's pregnant, you're going to know in a couple minutes, I guess, I guess he must know because he knows it's his kid and it's not the cheater, the new husband's kid. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, honestly, either way, it doesn't really make it any better. You know, uh, well, I mean, one one way your child has been aborted, <laughs> so I, yeah. I think it, I think there is an impact That's true. on that. It, is, yeah. That is a good point. Yeah, uh, I, I think that the so I, I assume he knows, and then the, the metaphor ties into you start to realize as the movie is wrapping up that uh, the characters all represent parts of Edward's psyche as he's going through it. Like Shannon, Shannon to me seems to be the his desire to just like have stopped this. His like the the cop mm. is the the um, his sense of like justice for what he thinks should go wrong. Like even if it's vigilante justice, it's the punishment that he wants to eke out on everybody who has wronged him. The criminals are kind of the abortion and things like that. Cause they took the wife and child from it or the, uh, the cheating husband, the, the new husband. Um, and you just, you just see the, the relationship. Some of it's very explicit, like the wife and child being killed are just the death of his relationship and the little death of the, the mm-hmm. fetus. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's neat, and I guess it can tie into the ending here. So you did you really like the ending or what? Because I'm unsure about the ending, and I knew going in that the movie had an ending, and this is not anything like what I expected because the nothing happens, it kind of peters out. Not that nothing happens, but there is no big action sequence or dialogue sequence at the end that right. kind of throws everything into disarray. It just She's at the restaurant waiting to meet up with Edward, who she hasn't seen in 20 years. She's waiting at the restaurant. Waiting, 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 waiting some more. The restaurant starts to empty, and then the movie ends, and that's it. Just like The Sopranos. Right, exactly. Journey is playing over the loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. Everything matches up. Yeah, you know, at first I was really kind of knocked sideways by it. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I did like it. Because, I, th- you know, like I said, I, I feel like you are along for the ride emotionally with her by that point. And that feeling of of uh, uh, of jarring anticlimax is, I think, th- the goal of the ending, a hundred percent. And I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I don't think 
that there is any scene you could have written between them that would have felt satisfying. I think yep. it's one of those things where it's like if he shows up and they you you know you watch them have a scene together it's it, that's not going to be a climate it's not going to be a satisfying ending it, no matter what he says it's going to be uh it's it's not going to feel like it lives up to the uh the stress and the anticipation that they built going forward and i think i think having that jarring ending is probably worth more than um uh trying to force a scene out of it and you know i movies do stuff like this a lot but i've never seen one totally do it like this where you know they always have the thing it's like the butch and sundance ending where it's like oh well they bust out of the door and then everything goes to white and it's like did they live i don't know did right. they Res- die? reservoir don't dogs know. is kind of the same like what what happens here at the the peak of the climax everyone's dead but what happens after that yeah or the wrestler where it's like he goes up to the top rope and he jumps off mm-hmm. and it's like did he die i don't know maybe he didn't you know um they even uh, they even go one step further from that by having him not even show up because, like, I feel like the more traditional way to do this would have him, you know, you do the same thing that they're doing. It's taking, he's not showing up, not showing up. And then he shows up, he sits down, and that's when they cut to black. Yeah. Because right. that at least is like gives you a little bit of closure, even if it's, you know, from that point you can go, oh, I don't know what they talked about, but well, I can only imagine. This way they don't even give you that. I think and you I could, thought that was just really jarring and really interesting. I think you could argue it's uncertain if he is still alive, I think. Oh, interesting. I, I could I see a way where after that. sending that message and setting up the meeting, he kills himself like the character dies in the book. That's very – that's dark. <laughs> it is dark. Yeah, it would fit with the movie my, though, I my think. Th- Yeah, my thought was it was – I don't know because I, I felt – I feel like um, – my 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 feeling was that it was it was him basically saying I have nothing else to say. You you've read all my feelings. You know I've I've said everything I need to say. It's a bit of a power um, move. He's like I control the cards. Oh, I, I can I can make you go to the restaurant and sit there like an asshole, and I'm not going to show up. And that's my it's my decision to not show up. Yeah yeah um definitely a power move. Um yeah and I kind of you know I, I felt like it was kind of like him being like I've 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 said everything I need to say. Uh. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was a very jarring way to end it. I thought it was unexpected, and uh, I think a lot of people, as I'm going to read in a little bit, um, w- did not find that to be very satisfying or appreciated. But uh, I think it's I, I think it forces you to kind of wrestle with it a little bit on your own to figure out what what the ending was and how you feel about it. And because I mean, getting that kind of response out of people, which is like a visceral response means that you did something to affect them, you know, and it's not just a plot thing. I mean, a lot of these reviews are going back and be like, it ultimately didn't mean anything. This doesn't make blah, 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 blah. No, you're only doing that because the ending pissed you off. Yeah. You know? And I think that creating that sort of visceral response is sort of the idea. And, uh, is it a little, is it a little arty for art's sake? I don't know. I think it goes either way. You could go either way with that. You, You don't have a hard opinion on that. I think this is a, excellently disguised art house film yeah oh i would agree 100 percent. yes it, it actually it feels like a not a blockbuster but it feels like a sort of normal hollywood thriller movie yeah. that is actually in a lot of ways not particularly subtle that it's an art house film but in other ways it actually is very yeah. subtle about it so it's it's that really that schism is very interesting to me like how they managed to glide right down the middle of those two things and um for people who don't like art house movies because they're generally overly symbolic or like 
um, very creative in a way that takes a lot of liberties with like how you traditionally tell stories like this. This sticks. This is pretty much just a thriller, like a revenge thriller movie that has a lot of symbolism packed into it, uh, which affects the ending and everything. Yeah, it's a very it's a very unique take on the revenge thriller, and uh, you know, as someone who I'm a big fan of the revenge genre. I feel like it's a very uh, solid go-to as far as the story goes because everybody enjoys catharsis through revenge. Um, this was a really interesting take on it. And uh, that's what made me think of the Limey because it has a, a similar – the Limey is also very much like an art house revenge movie that's got a really interesting visual style and stuff. Do you want to, uh, do you want to read some of these reviews and that will maybe spark yes. some things that we have to say about it? <laughs> yeah okay i don't know i don't know what it's gonna spark but uh it'll spark something <laughs> <clears throat> okay uh, i'm not gonna say the reviewer's name it's from imdb so you know. it's from imdb one star title of the review this movie is like sex without orgasm <clears throat> if you want to play some fancy music behind this to make it sound intense <laughs> you're welcome to don't you love my title don't you love how i make a statement just like this piece of crap film thinks it does. I don't think that the writer realized it was a movie and not an abstract painting. Movies have purposes. Movies have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Movies that build to something usually lead somewhere, but this pile of junk leads nowhere. Frustratingly nowhere. Hence the title of my review. It builds and builds and has no release. It just ends abruptly if you want to call it an ending. So our leading lady is a cliché. She's a career woman married to a career man who's having an affair, which is not shocking at all. She was married once before, and her ex-husband, a novelist, sends her his book. Most of the movie is about the guy in the story whose wife and daughter are kidnapped and raped. He works for over a year with a detective to catch the murderers. Now, why the entire movie was not that story instead is beyond me. I could give a crap less <laughs> about... How she left her novelist husband after aborting his child just to end up with a cheating husband. Who cares about that storyline since it has no point? That storyline ends with her being stood up in a restaurant drinking scotch. The end. Really? I also found out Tom Ford designs clothes. He should probably stick with that. And the beginning of this movie, with fat naked women dancing in slow motion, was supposed to be some crap statement when really it was just an uncomfortable thing to watch and was stupid. About as pointless as the film itself. The film creator is the man and the audience, the woman, in my mind. Having said that, the man is pleased. They made money, managed to get brilliant actors to do their crap film, and live happily ever after in their mansions. I, the woman, or audience if you will, am left unsatisfied and $9 shorter, but hey, glad I could contribute to their yachts. And for those who like this junk and think I'm too dumb to grasp metaphors, if that's what this movie thinks it is, one big metaphor or something, I urge you to see a film called Silent House. That is a film full of metaphors and statements that work with a storyline that builds to an actual finale. This is the worst film of the year, and I'm saying that in a year when the remake of Ghostbusters came out with a friggin' female cast. <laughs> how did you, oh, how did guess you that know makes it was going to end? <laughs> how did you I know, know it was going to end with Ghostbusters? It takes a real turn there. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, I guess that makes me sexist, as well as the release of the ever-so-pointless sequel to Independence Day. But this film, absolutely terrible. Rubbish, as the Brits say. I wouldn't Netflix it. I wouldn't Redbox it. I'd wait for it to come on Lifetime if you really want to see. That way, you can take shots during the commercial breaks just to make it tolerable. Mm. Powerful thoughts from our <laughs> internet music. And also, internet just movie for the database. record, I looked up Silent House. Silent House has a 5.2 on IMDb, 
which uh, I'm not going to say is indicative of whether or not that movie is any good. But yeah. uh, well, it's unfortunate like, the only other movie with metaphor in it gets a 5.2. Uh, I know. It's literally tough. the only one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that the – I mean, what's obviously wrong about that is that there is – there's clearly meaning to everything yeah. that happens here. Oh, yeah. Like I, I would actually argue that maybe the points that I think are too unsubtle are actually uh, defeat that point because they're, they're saying something about this in a very unsubtle way. I would actually yeah. accept that as a criticism of the movie being like, it's a little bit heavy handed at some points. Once you, once they really want to get the point home of what they're talking about, uh, it becomes a little bit heavy handed. And I know that I, I praised it at that point because I'm an idiot and I only sort of started putting the pieces together at that point. But you know, on reflection of the movie, I think you could actually limit that a little and you would end up in a pretty decent place for the movie. Mm. I think there were some things that were, were surprisingly subtle, too. At least I thought they were subtle because they only kind of triggered afterwards. Um, like uh, the car that yeah, the, the, car that that the they're carjackers driving. are driving is the same Pontiac that's outside when uh, when she tells him that she's leaving him. Yep. Yep. And uh the couch that he find that they find the the wife and daughter on is the same couch that she's sitting on when he tells her that she thinks his novel sucks. Yes, that like when it when everything falls apart is the same couch that characters are yeah. on at that point. Yeah. So. And I, I think usually I think a lot of times they can bring too much attention to that stuff. And I I didn't think that they did that at all. I think that's nice little bits where if you watch it again, you can go, Oh shit, okay, yeah. It was a little bit more uh and that's what's fun there too is I don't know if that's a projection of Amy Adams or if that's something he wrote into the story, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And I, I like the, um, just, just the weird touches that, you know, this is something personal. Like when they find the bodies of the wife and child in the book world and Michael Shannon is like touching the corpses, you know, the cop is going yeah. up and like rearranging their bodies. And even the position that they're found in is, um, you know, there's, there's symbolism to the, position that they are in where they're hugging each other the mother the dead bodies of the mother and daughter um the, the one thing there that I, I i i thought thought was confusing was they do that cut later to when she calls her daughter and her her real life daughter is positioned the same way same as way. the dead daughter yep which i think is a little bit um a dirty pool a little bit because that's something that she has no concept as to what is going on there Oh, and sure. also, I didn't know – I don't know if you were supposed to know at that point, but we, we – my, my girlfriend and I were both saying, I guess I assume that's Edward's daughter. Like they had a daughter. Oh, Obviously, oh, that's I not see. the yeah. case. Yeah, I I appreciate it just because it kind of clued me in um, a little bit sure, there. Sure, yeah. I, 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 liked, I liked that. It's And obviously, this is all very subjective about like what actually works or doesn't for those. Like what, what kind of – how much of a clue you need to realize something is happening right, is very right, subjective. Right. Um, yeah. And – yeah, I, I I I enjoy the like the the weirdest moment to me actually is the random jump scare when she looks on the phone. Yeah, yeah, that was weird. What yeah. was that? It was ter- I was watching this on uh, my iPad in the dark in the bedroom uh, with headphones in, and it it made me jump. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was so yeah. unexpected, and I don't even know really why it ties in because it, that's a good example of the subtlety and not subtlety because. The un the most maybe the most unsubtle moment of the movie is when she's in the real world before that cell phone scene. She walks by this huge poster that says yes. "Revenge." <laughs> yes, you know. But then it goes into this jump yeah. scare thing that I cannot understand what the meaning of that is. 
Well, I mean, she was looking at the the video of of the the woman's baby. Yeah, baby and, monitor on her phone. Yeah, yeah, and the the thing that we get jump scared by is Ray from the novel. So, I mean, you could oh, extrapolate. Is it? I, that I, I didn't even yeah. notice that. I didn't. I yeah, just thought it was. It was I thought it was a woman that jumped, and I couldn't recognize. Yeah, okay. No, it was Ray. Yeah, so I think you could probably extrapolate it out. Is that like she's looking at this baby, thinking about the the abortion she had, and it's visualized through. Him just, just jump scaring her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, got it. But yeah, the the revenge poster is maybe the most. Um, if you're not getting the movie that by that point they had, they literally put a poster yeah. on the wall for you. Which you know, I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, it's. I think that's the kind. That's a. Um, that's a style choice that is so loud that I can't really be that have that much of a problem with it because <laughs> it's because it's like you're you know what you're doing here. You're making a clear choice to be like. Stamping this what flashy this is. with with uh, your symbolism in, in this moment, and it, it's like, yeah, it's only a second; it doesn't matter. Yeah, there's almost something more uh, respectable about just outright saying it as opposed to having bad dialogue that says it in the in a mm. way. Like, and also, I mean, at that point, at that point, we don't know that this book is is what it's about. Sure. We know yeah. that what yeah. the story is, which is, yeah, okay, it's a revenge story, sure. But at that point, the the jump scare and the the revenge poster. We don't realize that this whole thing is is a uh, artistic representation of their, you know, dissolved marriage, and is kind of yeah a, a, a revenge play by the uh, uh, the husband. Yeah. All right, let's um take a break. I'm going to play a clip from the movie, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap this one up with some final thoughts about nocturnal animals. You're so you really are so wonderful, and you're just so. Sensitive and romantic and weak. weak. What? Yeah. No, I did not say that you were weak. I did not call you weak. You said it before, so I want to say it Weak. I did not say you were weak. I did not say you were weak. Do you love me? That's not the point. No, that is the point. No, it is not. That the is the point. point. That is not the you didn't point. answer me. Yes, I love you. But when you love someone, you work it out. You don't just throw it away. You have to be careful with it. You might never get it again. I can't do this with you anymore, Edward. I just can't keep doing this. Susan, you can't just walk away from things all the time. Yeah, as you say, Clay, I wanted to uh, thank whoever the Discord user was that recommended this. I had never heard of it before that. Mm. Um, And I'd also like to say that uh, if you go in being unsure of what it is and if it doesn't grab you for a little bit, it will by the end, I think, because I was I was unimpressed by it going in uh, for the first hour <laughs> or something. But then it really turned into something kind of neat and unusual. And um, I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's 100 percent successful at being profound or anything. But I think that the mm-hmm. way that they go about exploring this idea is really original and kind of neat. And uh, the movie does a good job of just really being kind of a prototype i suppose in a lot of ways that or a new way of going about things yeah definitely i think um you know if if your pro- if your proclivities don't lean towards artier movies then this might not be for you but i don't know it might be down the middle enough where it might still work on you um but uh if if i actually the first thing i thought of as it was going was i it was david lynch it felt um, it felt kind of Lynchian the way it started with the 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 models and that the sequence was really out there and just the way things were being presented, imagery was being presented. It felt kind of uh, David Lynchy. 
It does, yeah. Um, Un- there's yeah, like unsettlingness like, uh, in normal things. Yeah, yeah. It felt – I was thinking of kind of like Lost Highway or something where it's it's uh, fairly – I mean all of his all of his movies and stories are fairly uh, mundane, but they're oddly creepy. But um, yeah, I got a little bit of David Lynch. Um, so yeah, I think if, if you if – you, if you're not someone who's just uh, all plot all the time and are willing to kind of go on an emotional ride with a movie, I would say definitely check it out. It's it's it was not what I was expecting, and I I'm really glad we watched it. What'd you think of our coverage of Amy Adams in general? I touched on my feelings at the start. Do you have any uh, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, you know, I think I feel like the least year was the movies, bad. <laughs> what's that? Leap Year was terrible. Just Oh, Leap Year was awful. Yeah, I think Leap Year, un- unfortunately, is a pretty huge outlier for her. Um, the one that people always were talking about, aside from this one, is one that we should watch was, I think, was it Enchanted, I think? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a, a riff on Cinderella or something that I think that a lot of people were saying was really great. Um, but yeah, she's she's interesting because she's, she's a good actress, but I feel like she's best utilized, at least the stuff that we've seen, in these, or I should say most utilized, maybe not best utilized, most utilized in these roles where she's sort of observing and sort of taking in stuff. Cause yeah, I mean, she's that's, just kind of like a cipher for a lot of things. That yeah. Imagine around. take this movie and replace the book she's reading with learning an alien language. And it's basically the same character from arrival. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I mean the, the Superman movies, she plays Lois Lane. She's, kind of doing the same thing where she's just sort of a cipher there as well. Yeah, she's um, she's kind of an actress who when I see her in things I go, "Oh, it's Amy Adams," but I never remember that she's in the movies. Like you that's the yeah. Lois Lane character to me. It's like, "Oh, right, she is yeah. Lois Lane, isn't she?" That would that's a weird role for her. not a weird role, but like it's I, I don't want to say she's forgettable in it, but she sort of blends into a lot of things in a yeah. way that she doesn't stand out as the Academy Award nominee that she's become and I I, I don't know what that is. Well, I mean, I don't know if maybe we just didn't watch those movies. Yeah, I think, we, we missed uh, out on those, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think the David or Russell – like I said, the David or Russell movies have her at the front a little bit more, playing more of a character. Um, but, I mean, everybody in those movies are playing characters, so maybe it all evens out. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, she she's she seems to be a really uh, – uh, she's she's a – I would say she's a high-end actress, but she's, she's a uh, – I feel like if it was if it was if it was baseball, she's a she's a fantastic leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. Where you know, if you need someone that's going to get on base and just really lay the groundwork for everything else, she's the person to do that. Like right. if you have a secondary character that you need really to be solid, Amy Adams is a great choice. If you have a lead character that's very much like the characters in these movies that are kind of almost secondary characters to the concept, perfect choice. Because I mean, she's great at you know, taking things in and, and, and being the one to react to the situation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an she's, interesting, interesting little film, Nocturnal Animals, a, a, an interesting name as well. Obviously, She's not in, she's not in the Hurt Locker, right? No. If, if she was in the Hurt Locker that we would have been doing the Hurt Locker. Yeah. I don't think you're right. It would have been her highest rated clearly. Yeah. Um, no, it's not, but we're done with Amy Adams, I suppose. So I think we're just yeah. going to, are we just going, we're going to make a, uh, Executive decision and just move on to Bigelow next. Yes. Right? Okay. So yes. we're doing the female director because uh, if you're unfamiliar, we alternate between 
uh, actor and director. And now we're doing we did the actress, and so we'll do the female director. I think we're going to do Catherine Bigelow. So I don't know. Do you know off the hand what her movies are, Clay? Um, let me check real quick. It's uh, I definitely know the Hurt Locker is uh, the top. Oh, it's Hurt Locker and something Water Kiss or something. What? Uh, is there water in the title? I can't remember. Uh, yes. Let me let me look it up real quick. That's fine. So we'll be doing while you look that up. We'll be doing. Catherine Bigelow, and then after that, the we're going wait. to be doing Halloween-themed the- uh, October stuff. So we'll put a poll up on patreon.com slash the Penske file if you guys want to uh, decide what kind of horror genre we're going to be doing. We've come up with three topics, and so you patrons can vote on that. We'll do that and after the, uh, Bigelow. And the Halloween episodes may or may not be a backdoor pilot for a new show that we're going to do, mm-hmm. but uh, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, or I should say that remains to be seen by you. Because right. I know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> Write a book about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> her top her top is uh, the Hurt Locker. Her bottom is the Weight of Water. Mm-hmm. And for the Be Real, we're going to do Near Dark. Okay. Sounds good. So we'll be back with Catherine Bigelow. Those will be the movies uh, we did. What did we do? We did Leap Year first, I think. So it'll be her bad one first. So it'll be Weight of Water. Um, Wait, I thought if we did Leap Year first, shouldn't we be doing Hurt Locker first? I'll have to look it up. It'll be one of those movies. It's been so long, I've forgotten how we do these things. But I'll, I'll look up and we'll confirm and we'll have that out there for you guys. So thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to do it. Otherwise, all the social media is down below. This is Real Ripe and Real Rotten. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we sign off? Um, when is this going out? This will go out Wednesday of this week, I think. Wednesday. Okay. So, uh, yeah, as of yesterday, then, my Kickstarter for Bloody Hell is all done. Uh, I don't exactly know what the final total was, but it was definitely over 100% of what it, what I was going for. So thank you again to everybody who threw in. Uh, I really appreciate it. Now I have to make a book worthy of all that excitement, I guess, uh, assuming I don't just abscond with the money and buy one okay car with it. <laughs> Are you going to draw any inspiration from this movie in your uh, Kickstarter production? You know, I don't know, actually. Um... Probably not that much, but I'm always a big fan of, of, of jumping back and forth of storytelling through timeline and stuff like that uh, and interesting ways of doing that. So I don't know. it might Something like that might pop up. Um, there's going to be a little bit of jumping back and forth in time. I can, I can tell you that much, yeah. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. This is Real Rock and Real Run, and we'll be back in about a week or two with our next movie. See you then.